Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and it is my great pleasure to be joined today by Kevin Davenport, Vice President of Finance and Administration at Virginia State University. Welcome, Kevin. Good morning to you. Well, it's been, it's hard to believe, but it's been nearly a year since all of this COVID craziness has happened in the U.S. Kevin, if you could go back to this time last year and teach yourself one thing, what would it be? Well, you know, first of all, I want to uh, thank you for inviting me to this pop, uh, podcast. I really enjoy being here today and uh, talking to you a little bit about what it takes to be a chief uh, business officer, uh, particularly in, in, in this uh, day and in, in this, this, this environment. Um, before the pandemic, wow, uh, things, uh, they, they felt like they, they were just so different. And, it, and actually, it was just a, a, a year away. Uh, probably for me, if I could go back, there's probably like two really critical areas I think I would really take a harder look at. Uh, one was one is communication. And I've always felt like I was a, a pretty good uh, person with communicating to my managers and to other people. But COVID kind of came along and it, it really flipped that all on its head. And where I thought I was really effective, very quickly I became exposed. I mean, all of a sudden uh, people are no longer in the office. I can't I had a certain routine where I would walk around, you know, to everybody's office and peek in, how's it going, and have my little pad. I no longer had that that routine, and people were all scattered away. I'm sitting there, I'm worried about are people really doing their job? What are people doing? And I, I was sort of exposed. And it's 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 funny, you know. Flash forward now that we've been through been in COVID, uh, you know, I actually feel like my the, the way that I'm communicating to my managers is much different and, and much more improved. And, and and it's all because uh kind of COVID came along and it forced me to do that, do it in that in that manner. And some of the things I found out just uh, became easier, particularly like there was a period of time where, you know, I felt like it was pretty easy to get to all of my direct reports. You know, I could pick up the phone where in the office and, and even my colleagues like the provost when we're in the office and I, I'll pick up the phone and I'm trying to track him down while well, he's in a meeting or he's over here. He'll call you back later. Well, you know, when COVID hit, nobody could hide. You know, I could pick up the phone. <laughs> this is Mr. Davenport. I, <laughs> yeah. I know where yeah, you are. I mean, yes, I know exactly <laughs> where you're at. You're supposed to be at home keeping yourself safe. So, you know, I kind of learned how to use that a little bit. The other big area for me, uh, it, it would uh, clearly be along the lines of technology. And uh, once again, I, I think before COVID, I probably was a little bit more prepared. You know, we knew we had some some weaknesses in, in, in terms of our level of technology and had some manual processes. But when COVID came along, it, it really quickly exposed all of those areas. And, uh, you know, to a certain extent, it has really been a 
a blessing in disguise for the institution because it forced us to do certain things, like even basic things like getting forms electronic. Um, you know, now all of these forms electronic. I have been talking for years about uh, automating over at the post office. Well, you know, COVID come come along now, and I got to automate, you know, because people, nobody wants to touch the mail and everything. So, so it, it really has helped, you know, a lot, really force some automation, force, force me to, to really change some ways that I really think about things. But clearly, if it was a, a year earlier, I think I would have been thinking, hey, I need to communicate to people a little bit more effectively here. And I think I need to be pushing along this whole idea of technology to make things a little bit more efficient. So, uh, so you know, in a way, you know, for, for us, you know, uh, COVID has been great, you know, from that standpoint. So in the last couple of months alone, what would you say are the noticeable ways that you've changed how you lead? You were talking a little bit about communication. How does your routine look different now? Um, and I, I guess thinking of returning, you know, everyone returning back to campus at some point, are you all back or are you still remote? Is it kind of hybrid? We're not all back. Uh, it is still remote. We have, we, we, we call it hybrid, but it's probably much more uh, remote. About 90% of our classes are remote and about 10% are uh, uh, in person. But even with that in person, some of the professors are kind of backed out already. So on my, my side, you know, I'm on the administrative side. Yeah, I've clearly had to really change that routine. Again, you know, I had like a more of a routine of like, you know, really, you know, particularly over the years, really with communicating to people. Uh, you know, I've, I've just found it very effective, like stopping by their office, you know, pe- peeking in, you know, making sure you always kind of had those those touch points. It, it's a lot different now. I mean, now and I probably use a lot more email. Um, than, than, than I probably was using before because you can't just stop by a person's, um, 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 <laughs> their <office>. house. <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, actually I'm finding in, and I w- really worried about how people really getting the job done and what are they doing? And that's the other thing that happened with COVID. It was almost instantaneous. I knew what people were doing. I mean, you know, because I mean, it was, it was, it was so different. And it, 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 it almost felt like everything had gotten shifted there temporarily. And in a very temporary sense, I got to see things in a different manner that I wasn't looking at for the last five years. And that was, that was a, a really neat thing to kind of go through. And it forced me to, to, to change the way I communicate more emails. You know, um, of course, now, you know, I think when it first started, we weren't doing a lot of that. But right now, I mean, Zoom meetings, I, I, I think Zoom meetings have become so much more efficient and effective. You know, I'm finding like even getting between meetings, you know, before there was a lot of inefficiency with you finishing a meeting and packing up your stuff, walking across campus to the next meeting and then, you know, sitting there and then waiting for it to get. I mean, with Zoom, I, I technically can trans transition from one meeting to the next unfortunately within, within a minute yes yeah but it is it is great from that efficiency standpoint yeah. and you're right unfortunately things have tend to have been have really been uh, you know kind of spilling into the after hours as well you know technology kind of creates that you know you find yourself a lot of after hours doing some things too but 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 things can be a lot lot more efficient i I always tell a story very uh, early on. Uh, it was just uh, such so fun for me. We have a standing uh, VP meeting with all of my uh, colleagues every Tuesday at nine o'clock. 
And uh, before COVID, uh, for those meetings, I would get up extra early on a day, get me something to eat, fix some, some breakfast. And, you know, I had a whole little routine there, get my clothes on and get in the car, you know, drive to work. When I got to work, then I had a little routine. I had to go get my coffee and get all settled in. <laughs> and I would get barely get there, almost waking up like at <laughs> 6 o'clock in the morning just to get there to this little 9 o'clock meeting. And, you know, and I had, I, I, well, I'm telling on myself, but I had a moment one time where I really was up pretty late that night before and I overslept. Oh, no. And I think I got up at around 8.45 <laughs> and I made it to that 9 o'clock oh meeting. <laughs> And I was on camera, too. Now, I may not have, uh, you know, probably washed up and everything, but I was there. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, you you get to see those type of officials. Yeah, I love that. Uh, Can you think of anything that you would have told yourself a year ago, just based on what you know now, what you've learned, what you've been through, um, just knowing how priorities have shifted? It sounds like maybe levels of trust have shifted in a good way among your team. You kind of know what people are doing. Anything you would have told yourself that you feel would have been helpful to get through the past year? You know, if I had it all over again, you know, Things will change. It's still really early on, mm. you know. Even even in terms of settling people down, yeah. You know, uh, like uh, had a lot of people really really concerned. Uh, you know, I I'm a CPA, a finance guy. You know, not a, a HR person or whatever. But you you were really dealing with a lot of human kind of relations with people and, and with your staff, and everybody's dealing with different things. You know, clearly, I think, you know, some of the things there, you know, if I kind of had it over, you know, I think uh, trying to settle people down a little bit more, you know, maybe being more of a, a calming force uh, when it when it when it first happened, um, you know, and I found out even for myself, I, I'll admit when it first broke out as a fiscal officer, I'm, I'm thinking all kind of uh, things like uh, probably the first thing was protecting the institution's money. And and I probably went through a lot of just thinking, even in terms of like the state, you know, I worried about is they are things going to, are things going to collapse where the state is going to come, come, come and take these balances. So, I mean, I did things with even like, you know, making sure, you know, I moved it to the proper account, you know, where the funds could be, you know, I, I went through a planning exercise, like if things were to really fall apart for the country, you know, how much could I pay people? You know, making sure that I had the cash there. I mean, you know, that that was, you know, quite. And of course, none of those things happened, you know. But uh, yeah, you had to really, you know, go through that. I did a lot of a lot of that type of planning, that kind of worst case scenario type of stuff. And and I guess, you know, you still had to do it. But, you know, I. I probably won't quite far. <laughs> well, I mean, it probably speaks to far. it speaks to your character and the fact that you're, you know, thinking of all the potential things that could, you know, it's risk mitigation, right? I mean, that's part of your role. So I love that you did that. Well, let's talk about a little bit of a different type of planning. I want to shift gears here a little bit. Let's talk about the future generation of leadership for CBOs um, in higher education. What do you think needs to happen? in higher ed to prepare the next generation of leaders and particularly considering the desire to diversify the field? Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, mentorship, you know, and, you know, we all, you know, throw that those that term out, you know, so much. And sure. Just 
some people just kind of think this oh, mentorship, yeah, create an associate VP or associate position and, you know, give a person an opportunity and put them in that position. But, you know, I mean, I think it's it's a lot more than that it, to, to actually mentoring a person. I mean, I think like I know for myself and I have probably about, you know, seven or eight, you know, direct reports and, and I mentor each one of them and, and the mentoring that that you have to do for each one of those are quite different. I mean, people are different. You know, my budget director, how she thinks of the world is quite different than how my uh, facilities person, how she thinks about the world or how the controller, you know, he's thinking about different things. He's, people are at different stages of their life. You know, he has a kid, he has young kids. I mean, it's, it's, it's all of that. It's really, really talking to your people, really understanding people, understanding where they want to go in life as well, too. Everybody is just so different and have something different in their head. So I think like that super supervisor, like to really mentor people and give them that opportunity, you're going to have to really sit down and spend the time and talk to them. And, you know, everybody's busy, but and like I said, but those, those seven people, you know, I have to really talk to, you know, what do you want? How can I get you where you need to be in your career? And really, in a very sincere way, try to get them where they need to be. And the other thing is in that communication, really being uh, terribly honest with people. I mean, you don't have to say things in a, in a negative way, but people need that type of feedback. You know, the people need to know how they can really grow. but. I find a lot of people are just really kind of scared, you know, to, they're scared to face that adversity, scared how that person's going to take it. Yeah, I want to say things the right way. I don't want to offend that person. But the only way for that person to truly grow is you, you need to get past your fear and you all need to be talking and you need to talk a lot. I, you know, I think, I think that's the first thing. But then I think the second part of it is, is, is delegation. And, and I see it a lot in my institution. I actually see it at, at every place I've been. You know, uh, you, you've got to really delegate to people uh, and you've got to hire people and you've got to delegate. And as a supervisor, you've got to let go. And that's really hard. I mean, and it's particularly hard when you're a supervisor and whatever area you came from, you probably was really good. That's why you're a supervisor. <laughs> but and, and myself, like I'm a CPA. You know, and I came up, you know, through that way. And oh, yeah, I know financial statements. I know the rules and regulations and everything, but I have a controller and I need to take my hands off of it. And I need to let that guy be the controller, whatever I think. And what you need to do is you need to step back and try to try to mentor people, let them go out and fall on their face if that's what they need to do. That's how people learn. And I know, like, for myself, very early in my career, um, you know, I, I actually got a, an opportunity. I came out of public accounting, uh, started working at a college and university, and I worked for this guy. You know, he he really was, was into the business side, really wanted to do some special things. He kind of got me over there, but and I worked there for probably about four or five years and he was, uh, his management style was just so, such a micromanager. And that time in my career, it was great, you know, because I was a new chief business officer. I didn't know. So a lot of times, you know, I'm getting myself in a jam. I'll go and talk to the guy and here, Dr. Simmons will correct it for me. You know, I, I'm having a problem dealing with this particular person. 
he would step in and tell me what to do and he would correct it for me. <laughs> and, you know, I went for years like that. And it wasn't really till I left that job and left Dr. Simmons, you know, and I was working for someone else and they didn't do that. And I fell on my face and I was, oh, <laughs> and that's when I really started learning. When I kicked that crutch, when, you know, I was, when somebody enabled me to just, here, it's yours, you do it, and and and, and really allow me to, to make the mistakes that I have to make. And I think everybody, in, in, and they're different, you know, as a supervisor, uh, in terms of developing people, you, you, you've got to, you know, uh, take your hands off of it, you've got to properly give those people the, 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 the framework, you know, to, to, to work. But you got to let them work and you got to let them make their mistakes where they make them. And even when they make their mistakes, you know, you can't get too carried out. of You know, don't get too upset. We're all human. We all make mistakes. You know, I make them every single day, you know, and I, I, I think that that would really help in terms of really developing people, you know, giving them that 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 opportunity to. To, to, to really uh, uh, fall on their own or, or, or to succeed on their own. And then also, you know, talking to them and making sure you understand where they are in life and the, and the type of skills that they need to develop themselves. When you see people, and I'm sure you do on occasion, that you think, wow, that person would be a great CBO. Maybe it's a more junior person. What are the skills or attributes you'd say are most important to being, to holding that role, to to doing the role that you do on a daily basis, that chief business officer role? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the communication piece, but I think, you know, also, um, you know, that person being able to really challenge themselves and to uh, work outside of their comfort zone and not being afraid to, 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 to fail. You know, I think like what I mean by, you know, working out of your comfort zone, a lot of us, you know, will, will get into the position and we'll get good at that position. But in order to grow, you really got to do something different, you know, and, 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 and kind of take yourself out of, you know, again, what you feel, you know, most comfortable. Uh, with and not really being afraid to not look good or, or to fail. So I think, you know, being able to to, to really, uh, you, you know, challenge yourself to do th- different things. You know, I know with myself, uh, you know, it surprises people, but, you know, all through my career, I, I've kind of challenged myself. I've I worked at a kind of started at a school that was 1,500 students. And then I went to a school that was 600 students, you know, to see what that would be like. Then I worked at a school that had 35,000 students and to see what that was like. And I did 10 years at that one. Then I worked at a, you know, I'm at a school now that has about 5,000 students, you know, and all of those are, are, are so different. And, you know, uh, each one of those different positions that I went in, you know, made me uncomfortable to a certain extent. When I went to the 35,000, of course, I had people looking at me, what does this guy know? You know, <laughs> he came from, a, he went to this school that had 500 students. He didn't know anything about this running this <laughs> institution. And it was a really difficult thing. But I've also done that uh, in terms of uh, the type of responsibilities you have. I started off in audit, but then I've also done uh, finance. But then, lo and behold, I took a job right in the middle as the associate vice president for facilities and services, which is like a facilities person. And then after that, I took the job at the big school in treasury. 
And, you know, when I got there, people, let this guy don't know anything about treasury. He just did accounting and finance. <laughs> you know, he hadn't been financing anything. So, I mean, but in, in each one, I'm, I'm going to be honest, they, they, were, they were difficult. You know, you, you have to, uh, you know, you have a whole different group of people you have to reprove yourself to. Even these different type of institutions, one's an HBCU, totally different than working at a big major research institution in, in terms of how people think about things. So I think, you know, that's that's certainly a, a big quality, you know, uh, to have, you know, not being afraid to fail, not being afraid to, you know, take something that you're not necessarily comfortable with, but you can really learn from it and you can really grow from it. And if you can do it really early on in your career, the more that type of stuff you can do, you know, as you get older, you know, you'll find yourself when you hit that 50s and and older, you're like, oh, yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> you know, I, I've been in that situation before and nobody thought I could do this or nobody thought I knew anything about it, you know. Well, it's almost like you have read ahead in my questions and you know exactly the next question I'm going to ask because you teed it up so perfectly. So I wonder if you could close us out today, Kevin, the the question that everyone loves on the show. Um, and tell us about thinking back on your career. Tell us about your most fabulous failure and what you learned from it. And I'm not looking for you to share something really embarrassing. Just tell us something you might have had to learn the hard way. <laughs> well, you know, that, and that, that's a great question. And I think I did kind of allude to it before. And, and I think that's uh, failure is a really important uh, thing. And you probably have heard this saying before. I certainly didn't make it up. But if you, if you never fail, that must mean you're not trying hard enough. I mean, because in a very true sense, I mean, every job I've had, I've had failure. I've had big failures. I've had little failures. And to, to be honest with you, I, I say this to my kids sometimes, I actually fail at something every single day. I mean, this is something if I really wanted to take, and I try not to do this, but if I really wanted to reflect back on every day, like I could reflect back on today and, and it's still early in the morning. Yeah, I've already had a failure. And I, I had a failure uh, this morning when uh, I ate that chocolate donut, <laughs> you know, and my failure to control myself. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have ate it, but maybe it was the show was coming up and I had the interview and I just needed that little bit of comfort food. But that was like a little failure. But no, I've had some big ones. I had one that I, I still kind of think about a lot, you know, is when I was at a VCU, uh, well, I uh, well, it was a, a large, uh, it's the, the, the large institution, and I was responsible for actually issuing uh, debt uh, and investments uh, for the for the school, and had done a lot of different deals. And we had a deal coming up. Uh, it was for a residence hall, and uh, it was for the foundation. And I stepped in, and we were going to handle refinancing this uh, program for the foundation. They were really excited about it, you know, to get a little lower cost of capital. I kind of stepped into it. And typically when I do, you know, all of these deals, I'll have like these uh, weekly meetings where you have like bond counsel, you had a financial advisor, you, you just have very banks on there, a lot of lawyers and stuff. And you go through, it's a very, you know, this kind of process, you go through all this and you, you do it like every single week. You know, you, you have all these people and you're talking about the issues. And on this deal, we decided we would take it through uh, the state. Uh, which has like a, a financing arm that is kind of, it's a pooled program. And I had done tons of these pooled programs before. You fill out the little forms. They're just so easy. There is no drama to it. You don't need really that process. So I didn't do the process for this. 
And so lo and behold, you know, I hadn't been having these meetings and got all the way up to the day of the bond closing and really couldn't get out of it. It had to really close and found out that there was a technicality with this that was a little different. That all the other ones, they went through the university, so that was fine. This was the foundation. Foundation. (laughs) So it's owned by someone else. And it it seems so like, and I didn't even really think about it. I hadn't been having those meetings. And I mean, this is like, they get ready to close. I mean, it's at the last minute and I had to do what I had to do and like call a board chair. And it was just so embarrassing because the the uh, what had to happen, and it was the only thing that could happen was the foundation lost the project. They had to train. They had to give give the project to the university for the university to do the finance. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go back to these all of these trustees who had entrusted me in this and tell them I've lost their project. Of course, some of them are looking at me like, "Did you do this on purpose?" You know, because I work for the university. You wanted, you know, just and I had to. I ended up having to work out a deal. I think I went like un- unbelievably. I was that uh, they had a management fee that they were paying at the university. I had to I had to waive that management fee for a lot of years for that mistake. <laughs> I mean, I'm no longer there, and I'm pretty sure those management fees are still waived <laughs> for that mistake that Kevin Davenport did. And I felt really bad about it, but it it was a really learning, you know, uh, opportunity for me. You know. I, yeah, reflecting back on it. I mean, obviously, I wish I'd been having those meetings, you know, even if we just kind of touch base, like, hey, we got this finance coming up, everything all good. People, uh, and, and it was, it clearly was my responsibility and, and clearly felt on me. And I just, I felt horrible about it. You probably could tell I still feel horrible about it. I can know? tell. I can I tell. I felt horrible about that one there. That was, it was a terrible mistake. But, but those things will happen. And, I always tell people to use it as because I look at that one now. Look, I'm telling, I'm talking about it now, and uh, I'm happy it happened. You know, I mean, believe it or not, you know, because it's made me better. So I'll never make that mistake again. I'm sure you won't. I'm sure <laughs> yeah, you won't. And, and, and when it now comes to like things of that nature, too, now I really understand how careful I have to be, too. You know, so yeah, I had to learn. I had to learn. Well, I think that speaks to, you know, your integrity as a leader as well and makes you more accessible and approachable probably to your team when you're able to share, you know, instead of saying, don't do that, you know, be able to share a story about how maybe you made a, you learned a lesson the hard way. So I I really appreciate you sharing that story. And I, I do think it's really testament to, you know, your career and your leadership. And I just thank you so, so much for sharing a little bit of your insights and your experience with our listeners today, Kevin. It's been a true pleasure. Likewise. Uh, thank you for the invitation. And I really enjoyed it. You can find out more about Kevin and today's episode by visiting the professional development section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you also subscribe to CBO Speaks in Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. Mm-hmm.